Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God. We want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. Welcome to today's episode of the Post Sunday Podcast. This podcast is an extension of Genesis Church located in Orlando, Florida. Every Sunday, you can attend one of our three amazing services at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Or if you don't live in Florida, you can stream live on Facebook and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando. You can also watch on demand and as always, follow us all week long on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and X at Post Sunday Podcast. And also, make sure to subscribe to listen every week on Spotify and iTunes. Now, for today's episode, here are your hosts, Pastor Johnny Sierra and Pastor Tim Grandstaff. Let's go. What is going on, Post Sunday Podcasters? This is your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra, along with my co-host, Pastor Tim Grandstaff, the legend. What's up, my man? We got something we have to do right up front because it's a loaded show today. It is loaded, and we, we don't got people miss. leaning in. We, we've been getting <laughs> messages for the last twenty four hours yes. about this, and so we, we we got a lot to unpack. What they call in the streets, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> shots have been fired. So, but before we do that, we we Tim, have a contest yep. that we put out there two weeks ago. However, with Mark here last week, we forgot. Yeah. Well, honestly, Our bad. We yeah. We just truly forgot. <laughs> we were kind of in, in like a spiritual coma <laughs> with all of the content. Full of transparency, <laughs> Being bro. dropped and it was just like, oh. We were in Golden Corral just going all out with So food, man. all of a sudden we got done and I realized we did not draw the winner. <laughs> <laughs> of our contest because we were drooling and salivating at all of the spiritual nuggets and the ping pong balls that my head was racing th- towards. Uh, we were being selfish a little People bit. don't realize yeah. Mark just kind of took over. He did, man. There were moments like we were talking pre-recording, yeah. hey, we're going to go here, we're going to share with you this, yeah. and then we're going to transition here. And he just transitioned himself. Man. And I <laughs> and love so- I love, I love guests like that. That just like, you don't have to like feed them stuff. Like they're just... They, they come with food. Yeah. They come. Oh, he came. He came with. You have to kind of listen to that a few food. times because he just gave you stuff that we weren't ready for that no. you might need to unpack a little bit later. Yeah, bro. So awesome. here's the deal. The contest two weeks ago was that you must be following our Instagram account. Yep. You must answer the question posted to our Instagram stories. And then you must also share that on your account. And the winner would get a $100 Regal gift card to go to the chosen so they can take friends, they can get concessions, whatever it is. So we had some people do it, which was awesome. That's a good, good gift. And guess what else we have today? It's a a loaded show. It's It's got full of surprises. You ready for this surprise? Uh, What what we got? We We got got producer Cam. We got a producer Cam now. (laughs) That is Alexis, everybody. That is Alexis. It's not just the voice. (laughs) There's There's a face behind the voice. There is a face. 
and you can only see the face on YouTube. So go to YouTube and check us out. Post Sunday at Post Sunday Podcast on YouTube at YouTube.com. What's Alexis, up, Alexis? You, you're gonna you're gonna draw. What's up, guys? You know why? Because you're sweet and nice, and and no one can accuse us. <laughs> Of rigging or or, yeah, or cheating or anything like that. So yeah, we're putting true. it all in your hands right now with the camera on you. Yeah. Okay, Drum so roll. here's the bowl with every name. I'm going to pick one. Not looking. All right, grab one. And the name is Marnie Mill. Bing, bing, bing. Oh, Marnie. We got a winner. Marnie. We got a winner. Marnie Milks. That's my lady, man. So, Marnie, we'll be reaching out. We'll get your email. We'll awesome. be sending you a digital gift card That's to Regal. Yeah. Listen, we tell you people, it's it's simple. Just help us out. Simple. Because when you do this, it allows us to kind of show up in people's algorithms and, and when they're searching. And yep. so that's why when you leave a review yep. on Spotify or on iTunes, you just go hit that review and you leave one. Um, the more reviews, the more it shows up when people are searching yeah. for things like this. Yeah, and we get uh, Spotify comments under a lot of our um episodes, and which is great. That helps just build a little bit more exposure. But again, I mean, the best way is to subscribe and like throughout all of our social media platforms and uh, podcast platforms. That way we could just keep keep everything rolling. But uh, congratulations, Marnie. We are excited for you, and uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's good it's, stuff. It's the Chosen is, is, is a really great show. I saw so. the first three episodes. Yeah, good. Fantastic. Good. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so this week I got to go see the next three. They're on the theater right now. That's I know great. you can get them free on the app later, but I'm, I'm cool giving my money oh, dude. towards something like this. Theater it's is awesome. That experience is like no other, man. It's good stuff. It's a great experience. So we got a lot to talk about and unpack here today, my man. Because like I said earlier, shots have been fired. The sirens are ringing. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of curiosity. Our live audience is leaning in today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would probably, uh, if I had to give a name to this episode, uh, you know, aside from what we are going to uh, name it, which is uh, tell 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 everybody what what we're titling we're asking this the question: today. Can you belong before you believe? Oof. That's the big question through the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. But does he get us? Oh, and that's 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 the that's the ringer right yeah. now. So that which sparks curiosity, uh. which is a big word when it comes to this episode of of where we're going here today. But every, man, listen, we're all about symmetry here. We love tying everything together. Um, I love symmetry in my background. That was a big thing. So I'm all in, man. Let's roll. Let's, Let's go. roll. So episode seven, guys, we are going to be unlocking the book of Luke. Uh, chapter, t- what chapter? 19. 19. Yes, yes. 19, one through 10. And, uh, and, and man, this is a great story. It, we're, we're discussing and breaking down the story of Zacchaeus. And it was so awesome yesterday when yeah. people started singing a Sunday school song with me. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not going further, but they kept going further and further and Dude, further with it. And yeah. I was like, there's a lot of people that know it. It was amazing. If you don't know it. There's a lot of weird people singing a, a song yeah. that you're like, what is this? But at least people know the story. Yes. At least, or they think they know the story. I think that's the thing, man. And so it's been great to really unpack these stories in a just a different angle 
context wise and, and just a lot of these things. And so we're, we've been able, we've been blessed to really have um, a, a little bit of guidance too with uh, Mark's book, Quest 52, that has really helped just bring some uh, deeper insight into these, these stories that have really lined up uh, the way of the Messiah, which has been our theme for this year. All things Jesus. But week seven, man, Zacchaeus, uh, for our listeners that weren't in service yesterday, uh, just tell us a little bit, Pastor Tim, about him, his background, and why he matters in this story eventually. Yeah, so Luke opens up, and as we always say, real people, real place, real time. Yeah. I think that's key all throughout this podcast today yes. because that's going to really uh, lean into a lot of the questions that we're going to unpack and a lot of the things that we want to talk about. Uh, however, it immediately opens up in Jericho, and then it tells you that, that Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector, and he is rich. He's wealthy. So first you have Jericho, right? A metropolitan city that is the, the crossroads of trade routes um, for all things right before you get to Jerusalem, really. Um, however, as you've talked about with symmetry, this, this city is deeply rooted in an Israel story because this is Jericho. This is where they marched around the city seven times when Israel crossed the Jordan River. One of the oldest cities in This is where, yeah, it, yeah. It, literally t- it, it literally is. And so um, this is where uh, you have Rahab mm. when the spies go in. And so here you have someone who uh, a lot of people don't like in, in the city. It's, it's a prostitute being used and in, in, in God using her in, in the lineage of the story of the Messiah. And so there's a lot in the story of Jericho, just in the, the place itself. Yeah. But Zacchaeus is this chief tax collector. Now, if you're a Jewish, as we said, you hate all tax collectors from Rome. But how much more do you hate someone that has betrayed you uh, and works for Rome that is one of your own people? I think the chosen does this really well. This is one of the reasons why I like just the visuals. It doesn't mean that everything they put in it is you can find verbatim in, in the scriptures, but they do a great job of Matthew, who's a tax collector, yeah. and showing that tension between the disciples and Matthew being a tax collector. Well, take that tension and then multiply it a hundredfold because this is the chief IRS agent of them all. So he's the top of the top. And so not only does he work for Rome and take your taxes, He's rich and wealthy, so he's making money off of you. He's probably taking more than he should. So this guy is deeply, deeply hated and outcasted by the people of Israel, by any Jewish people in the city of Jericho. And so that is the backdrop to the story of Jesus coming through the city. He's not coming into the city to hang out for a long time, but he's coming through it. And as we have discovered in the way of the Messiah, Jesus does what he does for a reason and a purpose. Every miracle is done for a purpose. Everything that he does, every healing is done for a purpose. So when the stories are recorded and, and given to us, our role and our responsibility is to lean as much as we can into them so that we can see the depth and the layers in which Jesus is trying to display to us and which the writers are wanting us to know about him. Yeah. And this one does a whole lot of that. Yeah, so good. And it's about a week before Passover, right? The Friday before Passover begins. Tensions are still, you know, people are ready to crown Jesus. Some others are ready to, to kill him. 
So there is just a mixed bag of, of, of things going on. But with the buildup of the Passover, you're getting a lot of people coming in. And the news of Jesus is just so immense that it's sparking up now masses of crowds of people just surrounding him. He can't be alone anywhere he's at. And so uh, with that, the curiosity of a pro- prolific individual at that time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, it, it I, um, I love that because we are all seeking something, right? At the end of the day, this guy has everything he needs, yet he's still searching for something. That's another message right there, bro. But, but man, I just, here he is, right? And the popularity of Jesus is, is building, and, and, but he's, there's like a, a need to see Jesus. Like, whether I agree with him, like you said yesterday, I agree with him or not, there's just something about this guy I want to go see. Yeah. And that goes along the lines with a lot of things that here in this culture as well, whether you agree with somebody or not, if they have popularity, you know, I could like uh, artist's music. I could maybe not. But when they're in the building, I, I want to see them like And so this is kind of that situation. And here he is now climbing up a sycamore tree to go see Jesus. Right. Yep. And, uh, and it's funny that he couldn't, there was nothing that he could do, uh, financially, uh, and, and, um, influentially in his, with, with his power to get closer to Jesus. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. And he has to climb. He, he has to take a step and climb a tree and, and, uh, and you can go so much deeper into the kind of tree that it was, right? And, and all this stuff, but... We all have that desire in us yeah. to, to be where people of influence are. Yeah. You know, my son just got home last night. He's a videographer. He, he does work for Under Armour. So he was at NBA All-Star Weekend. And after the festivities on Saturday night... Under Armour has him at an event, and Steph Curry's upstairs. Crazy. Only people with a certain band can get up to see him. But he said everybody downstairs is like Steph Curry's upstairs. Whether he's your favorite basketball player or not, he's legendary. So everybody wants to get upstairs to lay their eyes on him. We're the same same way, right? So here you have Zacchaeus. He doesn't doesn't follow Jesus. He, He isn't believing in him yet. And yet, as you said, he has to see him. Yeah. Everybody has to be able to go back home and say they saw him. But I love what you just pointed out. Here's the chief tax collector of Jericho. And he doesn't have a front row seat. <laughs> he doesn't get to stand and say, hey, listen, because of my title and because of the yeah. role I play, this is my place. You know, the stanchions are out. Yeah. This is where the VIP stand yeah. as Jesus is coming through. Like my man has to get up in a tree no VIP section, to get man. a view over everyone else. Just to see Jesus. And I love that the text immediately says he was seeking to see who Jesus was, verse 3. So there's the curiosity. There's the, I don't know if, if, if this guy and his teachings I'm even, you know, I'm even into, uh, you know, what's he really, why are all these people? Yeah. Correct. And that's, that's. That's what we have all around us, right? We have people in our church. We, we have people who are listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube that they inevitably right now, they doubt. Or I love, as Mark calls them, they may be pre-Christians. They don't know it yet, right? Like they're, they're, they're learning because they're, they're wondering. And I think Zacchaeus fits that, that uh, description of maybe a pre-Christian at the moment. Like, mm. okay, if you're curious enough, to, curious enough to get up in a tree, 
to, to do this, yeah. then, then that tells me that you're, you're wanting to know a little bit more, right? He could have just gone somewhere and be like, oh yeah, that guy, Jesus, he's coming through town today, you know, and, and I'll hear of the reports later, but he goes out of his way to go see who's Jesus and what he's, what is he about? And that is the setting for the whole story. So we're in Jericho, uh, a place deeply rooted in the in the people of Israel. We're, we're in a place where the 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 lineage of Jesus comes through. One of the people that used to dwell in this place, Rahab, Jesus is coming through this on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to Passover, and here's the chief tax collector that every Jew would have completely hated, in a tree, going, "I got to see who this Jesus is." That's insane. It's good. It's good. Everyone, and like you said, everyone rejected him. But here is a depiction of the the 99 and the 1, right? Like, no one loves this guy, but yet Jesus is it wants him. Like, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful depiction in a different setting and scene of what Jesus talked about the parable of the 99 and the one the 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 shepherd goes after the one right the 99 but he's focused on the one here's the one Zacchaeus on that tree I want to go to your house I what what does the word say I must yeah go to your house there is a there's just something beautiful about that and that's an essential emphasis in the story yeah that everyone needs to pay attention to, that Jesus would walk up to Zacchaeus in the tree and obviously he probably stood out, right? In the sense of here's a guy up in a tree. Any, anybody at that level, your eyes are going to catch it. But out of everyone lying in the streets, he comes to him and says, I must, which is also, you know, invokes necessity. It is necessary that I come to your house out of everyone else's. And that is where you begin to unpack the story. Why is it necessary? Why is it a must that Jesus goes to Zacchaeus's house and not anybody else's in Jericho? Not, not, a, not a believer, not a follower, not maybe a disciple, not maybe a Pharisee, a religious leader. Why the chief tax collector in Jericho? Why does Jesus go to him and say, it is necessary that I come and stay at your house and we, we don't really grasp it, right? It's the yeah. real people, real place, real sure. time. But everybody in the street would have just been, their eyes would have been bugging out. Yeah. Their jaws would have hit the ground because there's the reality. Why this guy? Why is it this guy out of all of them? And do you know what he's done to us? Do you know? There's a part in The Chosen uh, that I think is really great that they lean into for a moment. Uh, I think it's in season three, Jesus is about to send out the 12 into the towns. And we don't know that this happened. So, you know, you can't hold on to it. But within the episode, Jesus pairs up the disciples. And one of the pairs that he gives is Simon the Zealot, who were uh, pretty much uh, rioters against Rome. Like they they were going to cause an insurrection. They hated Rome. And they were ready to mount up the soldiers and go after them. So this is Simon the Zealot's background. And in the episode, Jesus teams him up because we know that he sent him out in twos with Matthew the tax collector. (laughs) And there's this moment where they're sitting around in the room and they have Peter all of a sudden go, Jesus. You sure about that? 
You sure about yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simon doesn't know. He doesn't know that that Matthew is a former tax collector. And so then they have Jesus speak into it because Simon realizes and he tells Simon, Simon, he is no more a tax collector than you are a zealot, meaning who you used to be is not who you currently are. Mm. Right? So they show that tension in that. Think of the streets lined with people that hate this guy. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. They're probably mad at Jesus just as much as they're mad at him. Like you can't choose him out of everyone on the streets of Jericho. There has to be somebody else, but Jesus chooses him. They grumble. That word grumbles like deep bitterness. Like it's not just, you know, they, they mumbled and and they walked away like, Oh, that, that, that was, that wasn't cool. There's a deep grumbling, a bitterness that they walk away with because they say he's now gone to the house of a sinner. He is sinning against God by working for Rome. I mean, where do we see grumble in right. the Bible? Right with the Israelites, yep. right? In the wilderness. In the wilderness. Right? So Jesus is at work, but they're grumbling. <laughs> they don't know why. Just as much as God was at work and they grumble, they don't know why. <laughs> and so there's the reality that right up front, you have to ask yourself, do I trust Jesus to do what Jesus needs to do? Mm. Or do I consistently think Jesus ought to do something other than or what I want him to do? Yeah. And that leans into a lot of areas of life, right? Yeah. If, am I making Jesus or am I trying to make Jesus be something I want him to be? Or am I allowing Jesus to show me who he is so that I can be who he wants me to be? Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a big difference. And that is the reality, as we said, when you open up God's word, God's word exists for him to reveal himself to you in it, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't just exist for you to find something out just to, to answer a question or, or to take away, maybe even out of context. It is there first and foremost, the never ending story of God for him to reveal himself to you so that it ultimately changes you. Yeah. And sometimes we approach it with, what can I get out of this today for me? Instead of God, what do you want to show me today that might need to change me? Yeah. There's a big difference in that. It is, man. It's uh, You can't pickpocket your faith, man. And for many, many believers, it's just like, I'm just going to pickpocket this promise right here and this one right here. But what happens to the one that confronts you? Correct. What happens to the one, right? What happens to the, the person that you don't like that Jesus says, I actually want to go to his house? Yep. It confronts you, man. Absolutely. The truth of God confronts you. It breaks you down. It, it's just, it, it, it breaks the misconceptions of what you think, what you think or thought or whatever it may be. But I love it, man. I was, I was reading a little bit on, on the, the, the book, but the Greek word translated must refer to as need or necessity. Like I'd never read that verse thinking that Jesus actually needed Zacchaeus, right? Like, when you think of it like that, it's like, wow, like our God doesn't need anybody, but he actually needed Zacchaeus because as we come to find out later, there is an influence that Zacchaeus has that no one else does. Yep. And it made me really like, it made me appreciate the story that God's written in my life because the influences and the paths that I've taken, only I can influence that sphere of people. And God's given me access and keys to do that. 
for Zacchaeus, it was these religious leaders. It was these tax collectors that now, hey, listen, I, I, I need to go to your house because you have a level of influence with these people that I, I may not have. But if I can reach you, it can continue on. Everyone has a level of influence. Yeah. Some bigger than others. Yeah. Scripture is very clear on that. To some, I give thousands, some hundreds, yeah. some tens, right? Yeah. Like there's a level of influence. How you steward that with God depends on how much more he gives you. And so people sit around and they whine and complain like, oh, I just wish that, you know, I had more influence. I wish that I was this type of person. Yeah. How are you leveraging the influence he's currently given you? And so what people need to realize too, the backdrop to all of this, Luke 18 and all and Luke 17, there are parables and teachings that Jesus is going through till before we get to Luke 19. Many of them have to do with the least of these and the poor. So there's this, Jesus is showing, I can use both, right? Yet sometimes we forget he also will use the rich and the influential, mm. right? And so the people who have a lot of influence and maybe wealthy sometimes feel like, well, all the stories are about the, the down and outers and the least yeah. of these. What about me? And, and God is showing them, no, listen, I have given you influence. I have given you leadership at a different level. I have given you money wow. to be used at a different level. But how you steward that actually does matter. And the problem is, is that it's, it's a, I would say it's not easier for anybody, but easier in this sense. When you're at rock bottom and you have nothing, there's the moment where it's easier to cling to God. I got nothing but God. Yeah. There's a reason why the teachings of Jesus say it is harder for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because when you got everything you want, and you have a level of status, and you have influence, and you have the job or title you've always been going after, and you got the house and the cars and the money in the bank account, and you have the stocks and the bonds to, to give an inheritance, you don't think you need God. And then you often forget that everything that was just given to you is given to you by God to be used for his kingdom. Wow. And so there's all of this being injected into the story with Zacchaeus at this moment. So he does pick one of the most influential wealthy people in Jericho in this story to come to his house to be with him. And it really had to do with, as we looked yesterday and as we talked throughout this podcast with three elements of the purpose of Jesus, because that's what we're trying to do right now. 52 weeks with Jesus, every listener that is with us that we're hoping that this is a discipleship tool for, we're trying to show you who Jesus was, who he claimed to be, but also what he came to do. And one of those things within that story that we talked about yesterday was that you can belong before you believe. Mm. Now, inevitably, I know I can feel the tension in the room when I preach, but I know just growing up in church, there are people that are uneasy with that statement. No, you can't. You can't belong until you believe, right? But what we're saying is you can belong with the people of the church before you believe and become part of the body of the church, right? There's a difference. Let's be very clear in how we're communicating that. You are absolutely welcomed, whoever you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, no matter what baggage you have, no matter what sins you're carrying, into the church, in with the people of the church, because we want you to encounter Jesus, that may not mean you belong to the body of Christ yet because that is made up of believers, but you're welcome. Yeah. You're absolutely welcome. And for far too long, 
there have been too many people that have told, get your act together, then you can come to church with us. And I grew up with people that thought that way. I've heard countless stories of people that have encountered that. I remember being in Jamaica and being on the basketball courts, leading people to Jesus, and then saying, you guys need to get in church. And they say, we can't go. What do you mean you can't go? Let's find you a church. Let's get you in church. You need to be a part of the body of Christ. We can't. Why? Because we have tattoos and I don't own a suit. Well, what do you mean? The pastor told us if we do not have a suit, we can't come in and our tattoos have to be covered up. And so they 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 felt like they could not be welcomed or belonged. Yeah, that's in Jamaica, but it happens in America, right? I think of the amount of people that have come through the doors of the church completely broken in their sin with no hope that walked into a service and their testimony said the preacher started preaching about Jesus and that night I had to come forward and bend a knee and my whole life changed, right? They came in the door. How they were, they went out changed. You can belong before you believe. You're welcomed into the walls of church. Zacchaeus, you can belong in my presence. You can belong at the table for dinner. You, you can belong uh, with me tonight. Yep. At this moment, from what we're aware of, he hasn't believed. He's just curious to see who Jesus is, yeah. and he's excited that the man in the city has chosen him out of everyone else to go to his house. So this elevates his status, yeah. right? Yeah. This elevates his prominence. Like, yeah, Jesus chose me. <laughs> and yet at the same time, Jesus is telling him in that moment, you belong. Wow. Everyone on the streets thinks you don't. I'm about to tell you differently. Yeah. And so for every person listening, every person that watches this, yeah. we want you to know that you belong with the people of God. You belong in a church. Before you believe, bring your doubts, bring your baggage, bring your skepticism, bring your atheism, uh, as we said, whatever it is that is bring just, your questions. whatever your right. questions are, your confusions. At the same time, we are going to assume that when you do come, you're like, Zac you're like Zacchaeus. You've climbed the tree of curiosity to see who Jesus is, yeah. right? So therefore, we have a biblical duty to present Jesus to you the right way. Yeah, We're not going to cut corners. We're not going to change what the Word of God says. We're not going to fearfully not teach and preach certain passages. We are assuming if you've climbed the tree to see who Jesus is, i.e. you've come in to belong into a setting that maybe you never have before, you have come to see who Jesus is, and we have a biblical stewardship to tell you about Jesus, everything about yeah, him. Yeah, that's the truth, man. Something radical happened to Zacchaeus from verse 8 to verse 9. There's no specifics. My mind wanders, but the, but all, I'll be honest, when you're in the presence of Jesus, does he even have to do anything? <laughs> there is life change just within his presence, man. And I, I, I wonder if there wasn't really much said. Just done. Just feeling accepted, feeling, feeling pulled by someone of, of, of Jesus' stature at that time, right? When no other rabbi would even consider me, he has considered me. Like, I wonder if that was eating his mind, right? As, as, as he's in, as Jesus is in his house and he's just like, I can't believe he's in my home. And, and that thought 
and that re- that that repentance almost right that, that's that, that's 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 the feeling of repentance and gratitude god my goodness you have chosen me you have you've given me this opportunity i am hosting this rabbi something is happening in my life and we see in verse 9 yeah, it, uh, it, uh, or in verse 8, Z- uh, um, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. So we, we have this moment. It's, it's so good. It's like when Matt was on two episodes ago. Jesus is a boy. What is there is what you need to know. Yeah. Right? Yep. We always want the unknown. Yeah. We have no idea why Luke did not tell us what happened inside Zacchaeus' house in a conversation. How long did he stay? How many hours? Did he eat a meal? Did they stay they up talk. late talking through yeah. the night? Was this, you know, an evening thing, a morning thing? Nothing. It is just silent. What happened in the house between Jesus and Zacchaeus, right? There's the question. However, he gave you exactly what he wants you to know. And that is Jesus wanted him to know he belonged, but ultimately wanted him to believe. Mm. And when you move from belonging to believing, something begins to happen. Transformation takes place. Luke wanted you to see that when Jesus told him, hey, you belong with me tonight. But whatever he did in that house to make him believe transformed him in such a way that the very next time that people see him, the people saw him in a tree being invited down to take Jesus to his house. The next time they see him, he's running around giving away his money. Jesus doesn't know what he's doing, right? Like that's what the crowd's thinking. He's going to Zacchaeus' house. No, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing, right? I was in Africa one time and sitting there and the pastor told us in West Africa, he said, um, he said, uh, we were at home one night, my wife and I. He said, there's a knock on the door. He said, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of people standing there, and they're standing there with a madman, which in their interpretation is a demon-possessed man. He said, and he's completely naked. And they told him, we don't know what to do with this man running in the streets, so we're bringing him to you. So he said, literally, he goes, I'd never dealt with that before. So I closed the door. I asked my wife. He said, I thought of some scripture. We invited him in. Okay, he said, uh, we we had our first exorcism experience. He said, my wife and I helped bathe him, put clothes on him, and sent him out. This is like a, a Bible story, right? Like you, you would think. He said, hours later, there's a knock on the door. And the people, he opened the door, and the people said, can we come in and talk with you? He said, why? They said, well, we just brought you a madman, a possessed man, hours ago. And now he's clothed and he's walking in the streets and we want to know what took place. Mm. Complete change and transformation. This is what happens to Zacchaeus. He's a rich chief tax collector. That's the very opening piece of the story. Now he's been with Jesus who told him, you can belong, but I want you to believe. Don't miss that step. I don't want you just to think you belong. I want you to know what believing looks like. Now here's where we can unpack for a second because we got a lot more this morning. All right. When he comes out and he decides, I'm giving half my money to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone or taken more than I should have, I'm giving it back fourfold. This is not just transformation. This is a realization that the life I have been living is not the life God intended for me. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. As we said yesterday, people think repentance is just saying, I'm sorry to God. 
Repentance is allowing God to realign your life and your behavior the way God intended. That is true repentance. Too many people keep sinning and sinning and sinning, crying out, I'm sorry, sinning, sinning, sinning. I'm sorry. Repentance is the path I'm on is not the path I'm supposed to be on. There's a better path. God has it for me. And I need to start walking that path. When Zacchaeus makes this proclamation, he is he is invoking Old Testament law, and yet at the same time, he's displaying what we will find in the New Testament letters about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In the Old Testament law, in Exodus chapter 22, this is what the Torah said. If you had stolen from someone, you were not only to give that back, but a fifth of what was taken back on top of it, a fifth, and also a guilt offering, okay? If you were uh, to s- steal in, in, in the Nexus 22 uh, at a new level, at a different level, and it, it unpacks all that, and, and for right now, I don't have it open. You were to pay back two times the amount that you had stolen from people, okay? For some reason, and I don't know as Torah law, if you were to steal someone's livestock, and I think it had to do with because that's what produced their livelihood, then that was the most detrimental way of stealing, according to the Torah law. You were to give back four to five times the amount of what you had taken place. So I think the correlation there, Zacchaeus doesn't just say, hey, I took from people. Let me give them back what I took from them. He says, let me give them back fourfold. He takes himself to the highest level of consequences as someone who stole someone's livestock and says, I'll give them back fourfold, four times the amount. He realizes that his way of life was against God. And I will go above and beyond whatever it takes to get back on, to get onto the track in this moment, not just back on track that you have for me. This is the transformation. It's not just a little, it's total. And we have lived in a culture where people think following Jesus is just a little bit of change. Mm. Sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on me. I hope to see a little bit of change, but I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. He also is giving us glimpses of what we will find in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 6 says, bear one another's burdens. In doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. James says uh, to help the orphan and the widow. So I'm going to give half, half of my wealth, 50%. When we know Old Testament had a tie, 10% to the poor and the needy. So this is an overwhelming life change that has just taken place with Jesus. That is going to shock everyone. If you're the person in the street that's grumbling with deep bitterness that Jesus chose him, and the next day he's knocking on your door saying, hey, when I taxed you this past year and I took above and beyond, I'm not only going to give that back to you, I'm going to give back four times that amount. You are completely shook. You realize in this moment, the guy standing at your door has met Jesus. He didn't just belong. He started believing and it's changed his life. Mm. You know That's what Jesus is doing. Man, you know what's crazy too? That a chapter before, a rich young ruler approaches Jesus with a, a, somewhat of, a, of the same curiosity. Oh, that's right? good. Yes, come on. And, and like... Look at the result that happened then for that rich young ruler. Yeah, Jesus, he, he, he tells him, hey, listen, you, 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 all right, you fulfilled all these things, great. 
But now I, the very thing that's you're gripping your life on, I want you to release that over to me. Yeah, go sell your possessions that? and give to the poor. And he couldn't. And he, and, and, and he walks away from Jesus. Saddened. And you know what's the scary part of that passage? It doesn't say that Jesus ran after him and chased him down. Because <laughs> it's a choice. What a great contrast you just gave. The rich young ruler, nah, I can't do that. Zacchaeus, oh my gosh, if this is Jesus the Messiah who has more than I need, then whatever I got and took and was wrong, I'm giving it all back. I'm starting a whole new fresh life. What a beautiful contrast Man. in the story, right? Telling. So glad you hit that. Why? Because it's not just belonging. You can belong before you believe, but the next step is believing. If you are trying to belong, we want you to ultimately belong to the body of Christ. That only happens when you believe. But if we stop at believing, we become hypocrites, mm. right? It is just lip service. We confess with our mouth. It's the, it's the religious leaders. The outside of the cup is clean, but the inside isn't, right? We just speak it. I'm a Christian. I'm Catholic. I, I, I go to church, and we use religious language, but no one sees it. The third step is the most important. This is what's happening in Zacchaeus' life is behavioral change. It's belonging, believing, but it's behavior. Your life, your behavior, your, 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 your routine, the th your patterns, your addictions, whatever it is, they change. And people think this is all the way back to the Old Testament. I can have God and. I can say I have Christ so that I one day can say I'm going to be in heaven in eternity when I die. But my life right now is mine to live and do whatever I please with. Whatever pleases me, whatever pleasure I find, whatever happiness I find in, that that is just as valuable to me as what Jesus may offer me down the road. And we're trying to like show you that it's all things Jesus. That is where joy and hope and the best life possible is found. Not in your pleasure, not in your happiness, not in your momentarily, you know, a uh, uh, joyful moment that you search for and you find in certain elements and materials and and habits and addictions. It's Jesus. Yeah. Your behavior changes when you encounter the Messiah. Man, I I, I wonder if details are left out. Because if there was details to the transformation of Zacchaeus's life, wouldn't we want to do those exact same details to, 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 to try to mimic the exact result that we want? And, and, and it's almost like God says, I, I'm not letting you know what happened in, within this conversation because it's personal. It's between me and Zacchaeus. Telling us what I want to do with you is personal. Like, I want to I want to have that moment with you as long as you invite and allow me to come into your house. What happens between me and you? It's between me and you. And the world will know that. They'll they'll see the result of that, right? Yeah. And so sometimes details we don't need to know. We we can be too religious with details. And it becomes our outline of or our our formula to what m could happen for us as well. Yeah. And, and that's not how God operates because verses and chapters before he's talking about poor and widows and, 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 and that situational aspect. And now he's, he's like, look at what I can do with the wealthy, right? 
So everybody has, Jesus meets you at a different angle in your story. And it's that, that's the personal side of Jesus. I love the, the picture. If you take last week and this week, last week, Mark pointed out, John stood on the other side of the Jordan river and he called Israel out of their homeland, Mm. called them out of their homeland to say, you must be clean to go back in. So John calls them out. Jesus shows up this week and he invites himself in. John saying, come out, come away from all of that and go back in. Jesus says, just let me in. The, the picture of all Jesus wanted Jericho to see was I went in his house today. He came out a changed man. <laughs> so if you allow Jesus in your house, in your life, yeah. in your heart, as we may say, he will change your life. Come walk with Jesus long enough. He'll change you. Come sit with Jesus long enough. He'll change you. Jesus told Zacchaeus, today, salvation has come to your house. Today. The the name Jesus also means salvation. Today, Jesus has come. So as we said yesterday, if Jesus is in you, and if Jesus goes with you, then you bring Jesus to your house. Yeah. We have discussed this. Season one. You are a walking tabernacle temple of the living God, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Where you go, he goes, right? So therefore, where you take him, if Jesus is salvation. So if you have found Jesus, if you take him into your home, into your marriage, into your workplace, you're bringing a display of salvation. You're not able to give it. You don't have the power and strength to do that. That belongs to God and God alone. But you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to put it on display to where people can see and know where hope and salvation is found, that that Jesus has come to your house because they see change in you. And it sparks that curiosity. And there you go. There's a lot of curious people in our churches right now. Yeah. They're like Zacchaeus. And there's families. Coming in. Right? I'm I'm skeptical, but I want to know a little bit more about this Jesus. Is this real to you? Yeah. And, and when you're a dad or a mom and you walk in your house and you found Jesus, mm. your spouse may be asking that question. Your kids are definitely asking that question. Yeah. And they want to know if salvation has come in you. Is it, What does it mean to come into our house? Yeah. It's on display. And so yesterday we said, uh, statistically, study has shown that if a woman, um, a wife, accepts Christ, the only person in the home, then there's about a 20% chance that the children will follow Christ. Now, there's a lot of dynamics in that. It's different for a single mother home, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're talking about with a, with a, with a woman, uh, with a wife and a husband. Sure. And there's other factors. And I don't want to say that statistic to defeat any woman that is listening. That there, No, it, it still happens, yeah. okay? Yeah. Just want you to know that there's a greater chance. There's a 90% chance if the male, the father, the husband, finds Jesus that the children in the household will follow suit for whatever it's worth. It shows, but it's also biblical. The male's responsibility is to be the spiritual leader of the home. As I said yesterday, I think in one of the services, it just came out. I have had more women in my lifetime of 25 years of ministry that have made the type of phrase in some way, shape or form. I wish my husband would lead spiritually. I wish wish my husband would take his role as a spiritual leader uh, more responsibly. I wish my, my husband would, would just, he would own his role. 
because that's what they long for. Because when the male leads in that way, it brings the household with them. On the flip side of the coin, when the dad doesn't, the dad doesn't want to go to church. The dad decides we're going to do this, whatever. Guess guess who follows suit in that? Yeah. The kids do. That's true. Right? I can look around on a Sunday morning, okay? And I've done this. I watch. The dads that are worshiping with us, their kids are worshiping with the family. Wow. The dads that are standing there with their arms crossed, their mini-me version is standing right beside them with their arms crossed, and they're not worshiping either. Man. You are a walking, living, breathing temple of God. Salvation should be on display. Man, that is, that is good stuff. And with that... Let's go to our PSPQ question of the day. We have uh, a really good one. Uh, Producer Alexis, can you hit us with that one today? Yes. So the question says, uh, Pastor Tim talked about the importance of husbands and fathers leading spiritually in the home. What are some practical ways I can bring Jesus into my home like Zacchaeus to lead spiritually Monday through Saturday? That's awesome. That's a good question. So... To that question, I would say this. I think that it is vital to immerse your children in all things Jesus. Every opportunity you can get. Now, that seems like a very broad, vague thing. But as a former student pastor for years, um, I wanted my kids to not just grow up in church. I wanted them to be involved in youth group. I wanted them to go to retreats, camps, events, even just last month, my kids are in college and they drove all the way up to Atlanta to Passion Conference. And it was a reminder that whatever opportunity I can get to get my kids in an environment where they are learning about Jesus, I'm going to do that. Okay. On top of that, as a spiritual leader, this is not me, Tim, the pastor. This is me, Tim, the dad, right? I could go into my story that for two years I wrestled with God because I didn't want to start a church and be a pastor. And my greatest fear in that was losing my wife and kids to look at them and go, God told me to do this. Just come along. Hmm. I wanted them to be a part of the adventure and to learn to grow and love God. So I believe ministry or following Jesus is caught and taught, but they need to see it. And so we go serve together, not because I'm the pastor of Genesis. The reason that I chose to be a part of Straight Street wasn't just because PJ showed up. It was, I want to be there, and I want my kids to be there. Yeah. For, for years, parents were like, I, I feel like I, I just, I don't think my kids are old enough to take them downtown to feed the homeless. It's kind of dangerous. Okay, that's fine. I want my kids to live dangerously for Jesus. I've taken my kids around the world on mission trips with me. We have decided not to do family vacations and instead do missions trips because I think it is eternally valuable for my kids instead of to be on a boat or in an Airbnb or on a beach, which is not bad, okay, but balanced would be that you go and you spend a week of your year serving and seeing people at a different level. When we go to Brazil and my kids have been five, seven, eight years old and we're in the favelas and these kids are getting a meal for the very first time today, and then my kids come back home and want to complain because there's not enough on their plate. All the teaching lessons are invaluable, right? However, on top of all of that, I wake up daily to God's word. You know why? Not just because I love God. I've grown in my love for God's word because I saw my dad do it. I saw my mom do it. My mom will text us verses 
My dad wakes up every single morning, even when I'm in town, grabs his Bible, his cup of coffee, goes straight to God's word. It impacted my life. I do it. My kids now see me do it. Now they do it. It is all discipleship. And so what we have done is we immerse our kids in our homes and everything else. All the fun experiences that we can find, all the things that that cost a lot of money, all the different uh, uh, competitions and tournaments and all of that stuff that take us away from church, take our kids away from being involved in the things of God, don't uh, give us time to be with godly families and couples, don't allow us to be able to prepare maybe for a missions trip down the road because we're always involved in something other than. It's not the perfect way, but we need to kind of backtrack a little bit and start to re-elevate the things of God in our life, in our home, and for our kids. Yet we keep, no matter what people are listening to and hearing from us, I watch them keep elevating the other things first and then give all excuses as to why they can't do this, be here, serve there, be a part of this, whatever. They've missed out so much because they keep doing that. And in my home, I want my kids to know this home is about God first and foremost. And so my home, my wife, it's decorated in scripture and and verses and we do devotions with our kids and and we have spiritual conversations around the table with the hard conversations, with the hard topics when they're in middle school and high school about sexuality and identity and, and all these things that they're wrestling through at that age. We don't go, hey, let's just not talk about that right now. We enter into it. And that is what I would say. It is an immersion. It isn't just if I add a little bit of this today, everything will change. That's a great starting point. Start there if it hasn't. But what you need to be doing is evaluating everything along the way, yeah. everything that's being allowed in your home versus what you're bringing in your home. Yeah. That's the difference. That's huge, man. Your family is your number one ministry. Like that is the call that God's given you. When he says, what have you done with what I've given you? Your family is one of those pieces. What did you do with the children? What did you do with your wife or husband? What did you do with what I gave you to steward them and to lead them and to guide them. So I love that, man. I have daily devotionals with my kids and I will talk to them the way that I talk to my team. Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't fluff it. I don't dumb it down. I conversate with them as if they're, they're grown people, you know, obviously with, with a little bit of a, of a, of a understanding for them to, to grasp on. But I remember we had a, a, a conversation on a particular topic and it was great. I, I shared some things with them. And it's funny because the very things I shared with them, I shared the exact same things with my wife. Yeah. And it's what she needed that day. You're a spiritual provider and a spiritual protector. Yeah. So just as much as you're looking to provide Jesus to your home, you also need to be looking at to how you're protecting your home for the sake of Jesus. And therefore, that is why guardrails, fences, all those things we've talked about as to what you watch, see, hear, allow in your life, home, what you get entertained by, who you allow your kids to follow and and how much time on a tablet. It all matters because if Jesus is in your home for 30 minutes a week, but TikTok and Snapchat and YouTube searching and video games are in your home for 90 hours of your week, who wins? It's true. Right? Who wins? Let's just be honest. Yeah. It's reality. So. Yeah. That's good, man. Wow. Um, but 
kind of finalizing this piece, um, we were able to reference, or you, as you were uh, just really closing out your teaching, um, you went into just a, uh, like I said, shots fired, man. You, you hit a, um, uh, you talked about the commercial. He gets us commercial um, that was filmed in the Super Bowl that was aired in the Super Bowl and 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 listen, it, it, all eyes. That was the most viewed Super Bowl according to the stat statistics that they gave out recently. So a lot of people saw that. A lot of people had a different interpretation of that. Um, talk to us a little bit about about that and how that really connects what we're talking about here today. Yeah. So we stepped right in it. Right. <laughs> and it was just kind of a, a small teaser. Um, I didn't think that I'd have to, you know, spend us a, a big segment yeah. on the pod, but we're going to, and not a long one, but because it revealed to us quickly, the amount of people that have come up to us, texted, called, written, like, oh, we can't wait to hear about your thoughts on <laughs> He Gets Us. As you said, because it is a commercial that calls a wildfire. Yeah. Yesterday I made this statement. So today I need to spend time clarifying it, that it was biblically incorrect. Now, I'm going to back up and, and remind people that what takes place in the commercial with the people shows the compassion of Jesus. And if it starts a spiritual conversation, awesome. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Anything that can invoke a, a, a conversation about Jesus, let's take it. But when it comes to the commercial itself, I would dare to say the way that I've viewed it and watched it a few times, it is designed to invoke an emotional response. How can you not look at it and have emotion over Jesus washing the feet of all different types of individuals? Sure. Correct? Yeah. But here is spiritual maturity. Faith can involve emotion, but faith stands by itself regardless of emotion because faithfulness involves obedience, whether your emotions are in it or not. That's where real truth comes from. We live in a generation and a culture where Reverse. our faith is all based on emotions. If I feel God, it's good. If I don't feel God, I don't even know if he exists. It's why too many people lean into worshiping more than the word of God. Because when I worship, I have this emotional experience with a bunch of people. When I go to the word of God, black letters on a white page, I don't know, right? But faithfulness and obedience are the key components of faith, right? What we want to do is get people to move from emotional faith to spiritual maturity, which involves discernment. And discernment is something that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. You cannot get it in any other place. To be able to see what is right and what is almost right. That's discernment. According to God's truth. And so when it comes to the commercial, the first thing is this. It's not in context. So real people, real place, real time. Yes, Jesus washed feet. Whose feet did he wash? Disciples. The disciples' feet. And then what did he tell them? You ought to wash one another's feet. He did not go out into the streets of Jericho and say, everybody sit down. I'm washing everyone's feet here. He washed his disciples' feet. And then he told them to wash each other's feet. He did not send them out and say, go wash everybody's feet. Let's keep scripture 
how it's written, where it belongs. Now, symbolically, we know that foot washing means loving and caring for people, right? It's, it's a gesture of humility. And so all, all we need to have that type of mindset as a follower of Jesus, 100%. That's why the, the commercial's not completely wrong, but with discernment, it's not biblically correct. There's a big difference, right? What we're dealing with is a culture that has no biblical discernment because they don't have biblical literacy. They don't know God's word. So we have a bunch of people claiming Jesus, I believe, they have no behavior showing it most of the time. And so they're just looking for images of Jesus. Oh, it's commercial, which is great. A commercial about Jesus at the Super Bowl. There is a good thing in that. Let's be honest. However, what we do is just automatically affirm it. Oh, it's a great commercial because it has images of Jesus in it. That doesn't mean Jesus is being portrayed correctly, right? When Jesus washes Peter's feet, what is Peter's response? Not just my feet, all of me. We learned this. We studied this last year. He knew that if you're going to wash my feet and you are who you say you are, then I want all of me washed and clean. We're back to Zacchaeus. Behavior change. Everything changes about me, right? The commercial evokes this, this beginning truth. But when it ends with he gets us, it leaves a cultural truth that who I am and what I've done, he gets me. With nothing in between to talk about the change. I've seen people redo the commercial now and it says, instead of he gets us, he saves us. Because for many, it's like, it's not even evangelism. It's like pre-evangelism, right? It's a great heart of love and humbleness towards a human being. But Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. This is the ending of the story of Zacchaeus. Right, point. He came to save that which was lost. And so when he comes to Zacchaeus' house, I'm just hypothetically talking here. Don't hold me that I'm putting in the gap. What if he washed Zacchaeus' feet in his house? We don't know, right? Don't know. I'm not saying he did. Luke doesn't care if you know that. What does Luke care about? The life change on the back end. That's what he wants you to see in the story. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, he doesn't just say, oh, you belong, Samaritan woman, and I know that you've had a bunch of husbands, but I get you. What does he leave her with? Go and sin no more is, is the answer he gives them. So the commercial just gives you kind of this half picture, mm. which leaves a problem because then you have a bunch of Christians who don't have or not using biblical discernment who are like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is perfect. And it leaves a culture going to a bunch of Christians. Yeah, you don't get your own Jesus because your Jesus would wash my feet, whoever I am. It shows a girl in an abortion clinic. It shows someone who's trans. It shows all different things. And he gets me. You should get me too. No, I want to let you know you belong. You're welcome to come. But Jesus wants you to believe and he wants your behavior to change because he wants to save you, not just get you. Wow. That's the truth of of the picture that's being painted yeah. there. And as Christians, we have to be careful because the moment we hurrah it, if our kids or people around us are not spiritually mature, they start to think, well, that's what Christianity is. It's just foot washing everybody's feet for whomever they are, however they are, and they can go back. 
right? And that's the danger in that moment. Now, I will lead, I will I will end with these two thoughts on it. Philippians chapter 1. Paul tells the people this. He says, "Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am here, I but I am put here for the defense of the gospel, the defense." So here's there's a piece of it. We as Christians are also supposed to be defending the gospel when it's not being portrayed accurately. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict in me my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and that I rejoice. So Paul says, listen, some people sometimes do it the wrong way for the wrong reasons and the wrong intentions. But I'm going to rejoice that at least Christ is being talked about. It doesn't mean he agrees with it and it should be allowed because there are some Christians that this is the, the, the easy way out. Well, you know what? It gets me talking about Jesus. No. That's, it's good. No, it's not portraying biblically what Jesus is truly about. However, if it starts a Jesus conversation, then yes, good. That's great. But don't forget this, okay? And this is what this podcast is about. This is what spiritual maturity is about. And this is what spiritual discernment is about. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What happens when you do that? You reprove, you rebuke, you extort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. That is spiritually matured, discerning, endure suffering to do the work of the evangelist to fulfill your ministry. Wow. Now, am I saying this commercial, because that's how someone's going to lean into it, is, is complete myth? No. But just be careful. Know when the conversation comes and your kids watches it and they say, hey, Jesus just gets them. No, Jesus loves them, but Jesus wants to save them. Would Jesus wash their feet? I don't know if he would wash their feet. He washed his disciples' feet, followers of him, and told them to wash each other's feet. But he would welcome them, and he would have had compassion on them. And he does invite them in, but he would want them to change. He would not wash their feet and go, go into the abortion clinic. He would not wash their feet and say, go back claiming the identity you claim. No, you have a new identity in Christ, right? That's what Paul tells us in Galatians. So there's a change in behavior that occurs. And the, the commercial stops short of that and can give a false picture. And as Christians, I'm not here to rant and rave on the commercial, but I'm here to tell you, have biblical discernment and wisdom. Use the commercial to show that and talk about that in all facets and in all ways. Wow. Wow. Jesus came to seek and to save the fortunate, the unfortunate, the rich, the poor, everyone, all categories, seek and save. You belong, but he wants you to believe so that your behavior changes. That's good. It's all three. Yeah. It's not just one. It's not two. It's all three. Yeah. Seek. I'm going to seek you out, whoever you are. Yes, every person in that picture in the commercial, he will seek out. Right? But like the rich young ruler, you have a choice to make. Do you want to believe yeah. and have your behavior change? Yeah. That's the ultimate. Woo! What's the let's go moment, man? What do we got? Oh. This, 
What's the hey, let's here's the go. let's go. Let's go. I moment. think it is still imperative, even though we just talked about that commercial and some of the things we talked about, that that you live a life that invites people who are curious about Jesus, skeptical about Jesus, and invites them to a place where they know they can belong. Yeah. We want to try to create that type of place at Genesis, this this pod. But in your life, are you doing that? Are you going to t- people tell me you belong? You belong with us. Come on. Come with us. Come with us where we go. You may not believe. You may doubt. You may poke fun at this. Just come and see for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it's it's uh, Jesus in your home, right? If Jesus is in you, Jesus is with you, with them. So therefore, your behavior ought to change. And there is where we play the game of we're trying to get people to belong, but we tend to change our behavior towards theirs. So maybe the let's go moment is when are you inviting someone to belong and your behavior continues to be rooted in your faith to display Jesus and salvation to them. Don't change your behavior just to hope that someone would belong. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. We hope you can take that with you uh, this week. We are excited, man. Episode seven is into books so much that we just unpacked from top to bottom. We revealed our, our contest winner. We PSPQ. Uh, just so, so, so much, so much richness in today's episode. We hope that you were blessed by it. Um, but please follow us on all social media platforms. You can, you can check us out at post Sunday podcast, um, and just kind of scroll through Instagram, TikTok, X. We're on YouTube as well. You can hit the like and notification uh, tab, and that'll be able to notify you every time we have a video out for you. But also, too, if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you guys. Post Sunday podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, DM us on Instagram or on TikTok. And we would love to help you out in this journey of the way of the Messiah or even last season, uh, never ending story. But uh, we're excited to have you guys with us. We hope that you were blessed. We cannot wait to be back with you guys next week as we continue in the way of the Messiah. Until then, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.